You've got to admit, it's a great podcast name. Wikipedia. Explaining the world in a really weird way. Wikipedia. Welcome to episode two of Wikipedia, the podcast that is going from strength to strength because I've just managed to obtain some sponsorship. So without any further ado, here's a quick word from my sponsors. Hello there, it's Tyler Tyler here from Tyler Tyler's Tylers. We're an experienced team of tiling professionals ready to meet your needs. We've got bathrooms and kitchens covered, big tiles, small tiles, round tiles and Mediterranean ones. Have you ever thought about having a more Mediterranean feel to your living room? Well, we can sort that. Anytime, any place. Well, talking of places, it's Jewsby Road, but we're also on the line. A new website now, it's Tyler Tyler. Tylerstylers.co.uk. That's Tylers with a Z. Well, I hope to see you soon. It's Carl here from Carl's Carpets. We're a great carpeted outfit on Jewsby Road, just down from Tiling Shop. We've got everything in here from shag piles to lino. Ever had a bad tiling job? Well, we could carp it over that, no problem. Carl's Carpets, that's carpets with a K, Jewsby Road. Mmm, sticky, tasty treat. Oh, yes, please. Come on. Hitler wasn't that bad. It's Nazi Donuts. Kirkstall, COVID is here to stay. We've got to adapt. And that's why I formed a new business. COVID, COVID operations. Do you want someone spying on? A friend? A neighbour? Someone you don't trust? A suspected wayward lover. Well, I love spying on people and I've got glasses that are fake. I've got a fake moustache. I even take out hedge trimmers. It makes a great alibi that. What are you doing? You spied on me. No, I'm just cutting your bush. It's overgrown and the visually impaired do struggle, as do others with special needs. I'm doing the community a favour. So go back to whatever you were doing. There's nobody here spying on you. See what I mean? COVID, COVID operations. Shh. Nobody needs to know. All right, Moose, I'm selling weed. I've got loads. My business is booming. Uh, I got it from a mate in Wakey, and it's really good stuff, mate. Really good stuff. I come to your dog, a driving guy, man. Business is booming, mate. Anyway, get hold of My number is oh seven. Oh. Oh seven, it's oh seven, it's got three in it. So how do, oh man, I'm on my, how do you look at your own number when you're on phone? I can't, how do you do that? How do you look at your own oh well, I spent fifty quid on this man. Tyler, Tyler here again. I tell you what, Carl, I've just heard what you've said and you've, your shop is shit. Carpets are wank, you're wank. And I tell you now, when soon as pubs open, we're having it, we're at. Just come, see it to me face, see it to me face. I know where your cousin lives as well, so fuck you where you just wait, you twat. Thank you so much to my sponsors there. Really appreciate that. And now on to some questions listeners have sent in. That's what I'm going to start with in this episode. Thank you to Miffy, who said, why does skipping feel easier than running? Uh, great question. Uh, I'm going to assume you mean skipping uh, as in 
that what a lamb does and not skipping as in throwing things in the skip, which is actually very good for the environment. It's the opposite of fly tipping, which is very bad for the environment. Who called it fly tipping? I don't know, because it, it makes it sound good. It's like, what are you doing? I'm fly tipping. Great, can I come? No, it's really bad for the environment. It's like ethnic cleansing, isn't it? Sounds ace, but it's not. If you don't know what that means, don't look it up. It's literally horrific. Uh, but to go on, skipping and skipping are very similar in the sense that they both start out fun, but then after a little bit of time, they become increasingly difficult, uh, difficult, uh, should I say, and tiresome, because um, obviously speed equals distance over time, and you will find the speed of skipping does diminish as time and distance are added to. It's uh, a very, uh, it's not a very effective way of, uh, of using energy, a lot of friction. Uh, you know, so don't do it, uh, really, uh, unless you are, of course, a happy child. Uh, next on to Mark, who sent a question in. Can you explain to Amy uh, why the centuries are one ahead? This is a really tough one. Yeah, it's the year 2020, uh, but it's the 21st century. It's always one ahead. Um, but I, I remember having an argument with someone who, who thought that Torres scored in the 25th minute because it said 25-32. He even paused it uh, on Sky. I remember quite clearly saying, it's that's the 26th minute, Paul. He just couldn't get his head around it because obviously the first minute, uh, is, is the first few seconds are the first minute. And then when you get to minute one, that's you've now entered the second minute because you've done a minute already. The same applies to centuries if you upscale that. If you can't get that, there's nothing I can do to help really. Um, you know, you are thick as fuck. But on the other hand, it is confusing. Don't get cocky and think that there isn't that moment of panic. If I say uh, 16th century, yeah, that's obviously the 1500s, but seeds of doubt there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, so don't get too cocky with it and just remember it is one ahead. Uh, I always think as well with the time, this is the third millennium. Quite hard to say that, the third millennium. So we should make more of a deal about that, really. Uh, the year 2000 was a momentous uh, century change because it entered a new millennia. So yeah, maybe because the third millennium, the, 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 it's quite hard to say, isn't it? The, 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 it's a bit like Chris Waddle at the end. The, 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 Chris Waddle. So I've, uh, I've got an alternative. You could use Millennium 3. So, oh my, why is that still happening in the year 2020? Try this. How can that still be happening in Millennium 3? Yeah, it's harder hitting. Um, but anyway, on to the last question, uh, sent in by a... Uh, uh, someone on Twitter, I, I didn't get your name. I tried to scroll down and find you, but it was a great question. Uh, although there are consequences to this question that you were, you might not have foreseen. If you applied super glue to a non-stick pan, which would win? Well, luckily for me, I've got an elderly neighbour with Parkinson's who's bedbound. So I often do his shopping and get him the Daily Mail and the Daily Star. Highlight of my day. Uh, so I went round to Jim's house and I used his pan for this experiment uh, and as I feared the adhesive did win so now um, there is someone next door to me who doesn't have a usable non-stick pan so not funny and not clever but um, you know it, it, it brings us on to uh, a, 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 a bit of the ideology of the right that I sometimes subscribe to so what, fuck them. Uh, and we all use that at some point in our lives. Well, some people may not, uh, but they are better people than than me. Uh, which leads us very nicely onto what I'd really like to discuss in this week's episode of Wikipedia. I'd like to use So What Fuckham to discuss Churchill because he's a great advocate of So What Fuckham, deployed it quite a lot 
in his career. Uh, and he's been in the news recently for the wrong reasons. Had some statues of his sprayed. I don't agree with that, by the way. But he has become a battleground for the left and the right ideological clashes of late. Uh, the right wish to preserve him as this British hero, the man who saved the country from the evils of fascism, whereas the left wants to appreciate the historical nuance, good word that, surrounding Churchill's somewhat unsavoury character, uh, because that suits their narrative of breaking from the past and admitting its wrongs. Churchill provokes definitely an emotional response for many in Britain, me included, uh, who believe he's one of Britain's greats. I, well, I certainly used to believe that, uh, but it seems the British education system has somewhat shielded me from the truth. Uh, the Black Lives Matter campaign, I suppose, has been successful in the very least in educating me about Churchill, whom I now have mixed feelings about. Interesting, actually, that the UK has airbrushed its history to make it seem more glamorous and sexy, uh, which we really have done that. Uh, but yet the Germans teach the Holocaust... Uh, and they're very much connected to the evils of their past. I remember in 2006 going out to Germany for the World Cup and we got uh, loads of Germans back to the camp. van had some parties and they were having a national debate about whether they can be proud of their country. Are they allowed because of the evils of their past? Um, and I found that amazing because we just wouldn't have that debate in Britain. Um, but what if you, if you go looking for it, what we've done in the name of British imperialism is quite morally repulsive. Um, and some of it was done in the 20th century. Perhaps every country really should have a, uh, a sordid Nazi past to keep them morally grounded. Uh, but don't worry, because Churchill wasn't too far behind the Germans if you focus your attention away from Europe and towards Africa and India. But of course, they're black and brown lives don't matter very much at all because, well, I'm whispering because it's still the truth today. If you want to rid the world of racism, uh, then our attitudes towards the suffering of the global south must alter as well, in my opinion. And by the way, actually, helping the global south reach economic parity would curb the flow of immigration too, so that would suit many on the right. But let me go back to Churchill and let me also assure you that he was a twat. Absolutely no doubt. If you were a kid and he was your uncle and your mum invited him over to stay, you'd be a bit pissed off because he'd be really hard to deal with. He'd be drunk and loud. He'd refuse to smoke cigars outside. And I wouldn't invite anybody around that didn't have white skin because he would go fucking mental. Don't invite Catholics either. He didn't like them. He wasn't a big fan of democracy and tried to meddle with the system. I know it's important not to judge a man born in 1870 by modern standards you've got to keep things in the historical context somewhat but if you do that and you look at what his peers thought about him then they considered him to be a white supremacist because that's exactly what he was uh, he'd probably do all right in today's political climate actually if you consider trump and putin and I think Boris has made a few racist slurs in his time. Not done him any harm. Uh, but when it came to World War II, I think it seems that Britain fought fire with fire. Just remember that Churchill won a world war and then immediately got voted out of office. How much of a twat do you need to be to achieve that? But anyhow, if you, uh, you know... I'm not just going to hit you with dry information about why Winston was a twat. I've, uh, so I've, I've put a quick dance song together to explain it. Before he came to power, Winston Churchill had already published a book about his childhood. Why? Why would you do that unless you are a self-obsessed twat? A Victorian wannabe fucking Justin Bieber? 
twat. Loads of his own Tory MPs warned the then Prime Minister against appointing Churchill in the early 1900s. Why? Because even they believed he was a far-right white supremacist. Because that's what he was. He set up loads of concentration camps in Africa, killing and torturing millions of people. What a fucking twat. Hey, come on, that's not fair because they're only African. Black lives matter a lot less when you're from Africa. He loved poisonous gas so much that he killed loads of Kurds with it. Didn't like Irish Catholics, particularly not the civilians. Went about setting soldiers upon them as well. Didn't like miners, particularly when they dared to unionise. Uh, yes, he set soldiers upon them as well. UK ones, obviously. Remind you of anyone else? Because let's be honest, she was a fucking twat as well. Churchill definitely believed in the superior Aryan race, uh, particularly if you were British and white, of course, uh, but not Catholic. He fucking didn't like them. This could be seen actually over. India when he denied them food aid offered by New Zealand and Canada. They had a famine, three million people died, he just said no, fuck them. In fact, it goes a bit further actually, he made sure they exported wheat whilst the famine was going on. He is not a very nice man. In fact, you could argue he was a fucking twat. I just love Maybe he was, but history is not that simple. Uh, it is nuanced. I just love that word. I've started using it recently. I've got more confident with it. And uh, Churchill was also a war hero, and he did a lot for this country in saving us from the Nazis. So let's now consider the tactics and formations, the ideology. Actually, some of it was shared with Hitler, if I'm fully honest, and I think this breakdown will show that. Um, but how exactly did Winston win this famous World Cup victory against Hitler's Germany. Well, first of all, there's a lot of build-up to this game. Um, both teams spying on each other. Uh, a method still used today by more astute football managers. Obviously, Chamberlain had just been sacked because the fans had lost faith in, let's just talk about peace. So Churchill knew the type of football that fans wanted to see. Aggressive, fast-flowing. His first move was actually to mirror Hitler. And he sold capitalism to the US uh, we've been loaning it back ever since and he brought in total war into centre midfield playing the Perlow role pulling the strings beautiful to watch in terms of formations Churchill changed quite a lot he was very tactically astute he started out with a very defensive 6-3-1 look to sit deep get numbers back make it difficult stay organised the Germans who were favourites uh, pre-match were going to press high from the whistle loads of energy loads of attacking options their confidence really high after just battering france in the semis however churchill also knew that we had the best goalkeeper in europe at the time the english channel and he wasn't about to concede very easily the germans uh, had the better of the first 20 minutes actually uh, being given time and space to fire the long bombs in to our box to so their target man up top who was called luftwaffe uh, but it has to be said our centre-back pairing of raf who was fantastic in the air uh, and the youngster blitz spirit who was uh, fresh from a yts scheme they dealt with them fantastically well Luftwaffe became increasingly frustrated and he came out um 
it, uh, they came out the worst in a 50-50 challenge, actually, uh, with RAF, despite being the heavier man. So with Luftwaffe uh, struggling up top, uh, Churchill then changed tactics. Very clever. He went man for man. A risky play, actually, 4-4-2, considering he's playing against the bloody European champions. The left-back, women in factories, and the right-back, French resistance, uh, both tucked in, whilst total war, nationalism, fake news, and rousing speeches uh, went like for like in midfield against the Germans. Up top, we had good military tactics, who did struggle to get into the game early on, uh, with the ever Industrious sense of duty playing off him in the 10 role. Churchill then had to make a very early substitution. He took off French resistance because it turns out he was fucking shit and he replaced him with Alan Turing. But how did the Nazis set up I Hear You Cry? Well, good question. The Nazis, as I mentioned previously, were very attacking-minded uh, in their approach. They went with a 2-4-4. Four, four. Very strange, but it worked. Initially, they did go back to a 4-4-2 four, four, after Luftwaffe getting injured. But initially, uh, the first name on any Nazi team sheet is always Economic Depression, who had wreaked havoc, amazing goal scoring record in the early 30s throughout the West, throughout Europe and America. Uh, but it's got to be said, Total War played a blinder in containing him. Both teams played nationalism in a more advanced role with rousing speeches given license to get forward whenever he could. On the left, the Germans had new military tactics. Uh, on the right, they had genocide, a real nasty piece of work, genocide. Think like Diego Costa meets Lee Catamol. Uh, but Hitler employed a rather weak defensive pairing of so what, fuck em, and sleeping in till midday. Not the best two defenders to have at the back. And uh, the ever erratic prescription drugs was in goal. Now, the game was going quite well for the Nazis, but the injury to Luftwaffe up top, uh, it did change things, actually. And Churchill used his tactical experience to make a really good change. He took off Blitz Spirit and he brought on leasing US ships, one of the most expensive loan signings in British history. We were still paying him off uh, in 2006, believe it or not. It's even worse than Robbie Fowler at Leeds. But he did play very well. Well, leasing US ships and uh, him and Total War really controlled the game. Uh, fake news was beginning to find lots of space uh, for both teams, actually, and he was often supplying rousing speeches on the overlap. Uh, but it, it, despite opening up a little bit, it was still quite cagey in the first half. However, uh, Hitler made a really strange decision at half time. Instead of just resting, the Germans sprinted off the pitch and then played a really intense 15-minute murder ball training session against Russia. Uh, the British just sat there eating half-time oranges, really. And in 43, an exhausted Germany walked back onto the pitch to resume the second half and Churchill moved to a rather cautious 4-5-1. However, the game did begin to swing the Allies' way and Churchill moved again in 44. He went to a very 
Tapminded 244. He'd copied that off the Germans and liked that idea. It was a great tactical move. The English Channel was still playing out nicely from the back and weirdly enough in 1945 Churchill subbed the keeper. He took off English Channel and he went for a 1-1-9. No keeper at all. With fake news, the only defensive player, he was covering for genocide who'd come on for Churchill and he was given a free roll. RAF went up front and despite receiving a lot of flack from the supporters in the German home end, he did a sterling job causing loads of damage. Hitler subbed the injured Luftwaffe eventually and he brought on insane ranting. He took off new military tactics, brought on paranoia and he forgot to replace uh, a lot of players actually. He ended up subbing uh, economic depression sat deeper and deeper. Hitler found himself relying on prescription drugs a lot more, who was a terrible keeper and only ever passed to paranoia and insane ranting anyway. He wasn't very good at shot stopping. It was a bit of a disaster. Hitler wasn't thinking defensive at all. When the attacks broke down, they were there for the taking. The Nazis in the end just wanted to see the final whistle. It was a resounding fi- uh, victory for Churchill. Really was. Um, terrible for the Germans, like I said. The only thing with eight men and the manager committed suicide yeah so well done to Churchill it was a resounding victory he did us proud but like I've said there's two sides to Churchill one of them is a massive twat the other is a war hero it is nuanced so in many respects actually like I said I mentioned earlier that uh, the British fought fire with fire and I'm saying that because Hitler and Churchill shared quite a lot in common they were both very narcissistic Uh, they were both uh, power hungry fame hungry both of them wrote books before they were famous before they came to power certainly they were both short they were both amazing speakers orators they were both painters they both believed in white supremacism They both killed millions of people in concentration camps. The list is endless, really. One of them was a lot more evil than the other. But I suppose your view might change if you were uh, our Kenyan or if you're Indian. Maybe you would believe uh, that, that Churchill was the more evil person because you've got a connection to that. Now I want to um, I want to end by just saying the role of so what fuckum um, is huge still in wider uh, wider society uh, and amongst many on the left as well because when we use it a lot in the, for the global south and like I said I've mentioned Asia and I've mentioned Africa we just don't give a fuck about those countries and people think that the uh, the morally superior beings on the left but we employ so what fuck them whenever it suits us emotionally and whenever it becomes a bit too much to think about so don't go judging people for um for using so what fuck them and try to understand the reasons why I would say the broader reasons going back to Churchill can you be a hero and a twat of course you can look at Bono so I'd like to end by just saying as we skip towards the 22nd century uh, let's consider how non-stick we are when it comes to change and if we can finally put so what fuck him to bed i think we will 
expel racism from the world. But it's just my opinion. And um, and if you've enjoyed this, can I also say, please share it. You know, I'm a bit desperate. And also, no one else is going to share it apart from you. And thanks for your, your lovely comments, actually, with the first episode. Um, it's got some great feedback. And I hope you've enjoyed this one as well. I try to keep them around 20 minutes, if I can. Uh, and, yeah, stay safe out there. Stay peaceful, and it's been enjoyable chatting to you. Well, just chatting to myself, really, technically, but I quite enjoy that. Mickey Media.